And in speaking with the professor, he, he questioned how and how I was so effective in public speaking. And I had to allude to what we just discussed, the church. The church had given me that platform that had allowed me in that particular class, I excelled over everyone else that was there. And there was, you know, where, where you get jittery and nervous before a, a large group of people. I had none of that. Okay, there, were, there was uh, eye contact, there was movement, there was, I was personable, you know, it was there. Matter of fact, I came alive, but that was the church. The church can be credited for providing not just the opportunity for the young to develop public speaking opportunities, but has provided good examples of individuals who will lift your spirit after they have spoken before the congregation. I am honored to talk with a wise woman who personifies elegance and grace. I'm inspired whenever she reads or presents in public. Mrs. Avery Boyd, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Please tell listeners a little about who you are. I am now a 72-year-old retired grandma and great-grandmother. I'm happy in retirement, but I reflect on where I came from, born St. Thomas Virgin Islands and raised in New York and now living in Brooklyn, New York, as a retiree and a newly married woman after 35 years of a previous marriage. I am thankful and grateful for the woman that God has brought me to be at this time. Can you remember the points in your life when it was confirmed you had a special gift? I remember growing up in the Bronx Seventh-day Adventist Church. And there was a sister there that I would never forget, Sister Woods. She had a very special interest in young people. She had one child who was a doctor at the time that I got to know her. And Sister Woods took a liking to me and she saw that I did have an ability to express myself orally. And she gave me my first poem to learn. It was called Be Neighborly. And from that, my interest grew in poetry and recitations, but it was recognized when I was about 12 years old. And can you describe why your readings on hope and faith are so earnest? Why the preparation? Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. I remember Friday night worships, where Bible reading was mandatory by every person in worship. And the Bible would go around, if there were not enough Bibles, the Bible was passed from one reader to the other, one sibling to the other. 
one parent would open the reading and the other parent would close the reading. But out of the word of God, we learned to read. We learned to enunciate. We learned to express ourselves in reading. And by hearing other readers, we became more prolific, more pronounced, and ready to read. We, we were excited about being called upon to read. And that's where my, my open reading began in family worship. Would you mind sharing a few passages with us and sharing in turn why those passages are significant? Psalm 1611 says, you, O God, will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's a promise that I live by because God has showed me throughout my life when he promises me something, he's always fulfilled his promise to me. There's no good thing that he has withheld from me as long as I have committed my way to him. And it resonates in my life every day. And I know that as long as I stay in his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit, he continues and will continue to reveal his way to me. That's one text. The other one confirms it from Isaiah 119. He says, if you will be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. And it's, it, it parallels or it, 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 it's part of the promise that you get in Psalms because his word is so connected. If ye are willing and obedient, and obedience to me is the key to God's promises. Should I do one more? Sure. Sure. This one resonates. 2 Corinthians 7, 18. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal the land. And it's so relevant right now where we are. If my people, prayer, prayer would call upon the name of the Lord while he is near. God is faithful. He's not a man. And then it's another text. He's not a man that he should lie. He can't lie. But if we would humble ourselves and seek his face, he's ready and waiting. And I know that's his promise. And I've based my life on that promise. And he has always been faithful. What a word. Now, yes. there is a listener who wants to put more preparation into reading Bible promises. What would you recommend? Sometimes it, it 
it's not always possible, but as much as possible, we should get a piece of God's word every day. A piece of his word every day. And that's how I was raised. We could not walk out of the house without a morning watch. We got a morning watch. We had the morning watch, and that's how I grew in scripture, because with every morning watch, you had a reading. And that's how we left home every day. And that morning watch, whether we got in a little mischief during the course of the day, or even if we deviated and became deviant, something resonated. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And throughout my life, there have been there have been some crossroads and there have been some detours. But because I knew God's word, his word never left me, never forsook me. It did not allow me to fall into certain situations that I could not get out of. Because like I said, I was raised New York. New York, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And New York has been my stomping ground in all of my life, whether from, from a child to, to adolescence, to my young adult years, the word of God, studying to show yourself approved. That's my antidote. You have inspired us with Bible readings. Are there other forms of writings that have provided inspiration to you as well? Yes. I love recitations and writings that can take us into the imaginations of the mind because God has given us imagination. I have one, one particular, several particular recitations that have been committed to memory. In reading, I've found a lot of solace. And I think I shared with you previously one of my readings that I committed to memory, um, which epics Gabriel and Jesus walking through New Jerusalem. And we can't always, I, I think the word of God as a Bible scripture, the Holy Scriptures is a foundation that so many other things can grow out of. And this particular recitation takes us to the new Jerusalem with Jesus and Gabriel walking through the new Jerusalem and in conversation, they dialogue about all that God has prepared for his children. There are other readings I have read, even novels, but there are things that we can gain from reading, which is fundamental, which we don't seem to do anymore. But um, reading is fundamental. And as long as we can read, we can move into areas where our mind and our imaginations will grow. And I indicated that the church has served as a forum for individuals to get opportunities to speak publicly. What can you say to parents or 
guardians of young minds who wish to expose them to all the church has to offer in terms of public recitation and improving memory. That's the, that's the format right there. The church is the platform. The church, if we use it effectively, like I said, from cradle roll to the grave, gives us the opportunity to be heard and allows us to develop to the point where we can articulate in any, in any um, setting. As I said that, I thought about Martin Luther King Jr. His platform was the church. We have eloquence that is not being utilized because we don't promote that as much as we used to. Um, the spoken word is the most effective tool that I can think of. That's why God gave us voices. We could have been mute like the animals and just bay and bark, but he gave us language. We will return to our conversation with Mrs. Avery Boyd after a short word from our sponsors. When I entered the postal service as a employee and, and moved into management, they sent us for training in public speaking under Cornell University. And the professor of the class was very much impressed with me and he approached me and he asked me of my previous education. And I had to refer to the church because I was a high school dropout when I entered the postal service. I'd gotten married early because I had become pregnant and I had to get married because marriage was not a second thought. And in speaking with the professor, he, he questioned how and how I was so effective in public speaking. And I had to allude to what we just discussed, the church. The church had given me that platform that had allowed me in that particular class, I excelled over everyone else that was there. And there was, you know, where, where you get jittery and nervous before a, a large group of people. I had none of that. Okay, there were, there was, uh, eye contact, there was movement, there was, I was personable, you know, it was there. Matter of fact, I came alive, but that was the church. Those amens and hallelujahs that you get when you are, when you are speaking before people, it's exciting. And it, it, it excites you to, to come out at your best. So I, I give all of that credit to the church and I pray that we continue to develop that. You see it in small groups, but I don't think that we see it enough to develop it. Someone said yesterday, I was on, um, I think it was somebody on Messenger sent me something. And the one thing that the young lady alluded to, she said, we as black people, we're busy raising athletes and ballet stars, but we're not we're not raising leaders. And a leader has to be able to orate. That spoken word can move masses. We have to reach people in their minds to motivate change and movement. 
And that's where public speaking is ever so important. So I encourage that. I would love to hear more pieces from you. And uh, Mrs. Boyd, I'm gonna ask you if you could even close out for us with a reading that I'll, I'll, I'll have at the end. Do you have another reading that you could give to us to close? And before doing so, while preparing that, I'll ask you this. Understanding the times, and you do, please give our listeners some words of encouragement. In times like these, you need a savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. I know that no one knows the day nor the hour, but the signs are fast fulfilling. And so we must buoy up our courage. You know, it's like, it's like me getting acclimated to Zoom. There's not enough contact. And so we have to know and be and be convicted of who we are and where we are. We have to know Jesus for ourselves because the last movements will be rapid ones. Things are moving so fast that I get dizzy. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. You become overwhelmed if you if you leave the TV on too long or if you're 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 caught up with a little too much movement in a given day. At this point of my life, you get to use another word, shaken. So if these little things are shaking you now, what about only the beginning of sorrow? So my admonition is to gird up your loins, pull up your pants, like, like, like we laugh sometimes and say, pull up your big girl panties, because we have to be sure that our anchor is holding and grips the solid rock, who's Jesus Christ. It is imperative. And there are weak times and there are times that we can take down an army because we're not always the same from one given day to the next. There are times that I feel like I could tear down a house and build it up again. But there are other times that you feel so vulnerable and say, my God, what do I do? What decision do I make? What, which way do I go? Your anchor holds. And God knows. He knows our, 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 our inconsistencies. And that's what we take to him because he's a friend. That's what I take to my friend. I let him know when I'm down. I let him know when I'm up. So that relationship, there's the word, that relationship has to be consistent. So I can go to my heavenly father and let him know that today, old girl don't feel like she want to feel, but it's relationship. That's what's going to take us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you can't have the power of the Holy Spirit without a relationship with your heavenly Father. And that will take us through. Okay, some of us will not 
but not even be able to make a move before we know. But as long as relationship is intact, we don't have anything to worry about. So we have to, don't fret about tomorrow. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up by, on wings like eagles. They shall walk and not be weary, run and not faint. That's the word right there. What a word. That's the word. A final piece for us, and I, I call you Mrs. Avery Boy just for purposes of our listeners who don't understand that we use many terms in church, sister, yes. church yes. auntie, etc. Yes. yes. But yes. for our listeners, do you have another piece that you could read just to buoy us up as we enter an untried week? We would be so honored. Wow. Large or small? <laughs> You want something short? It's up to you. Ah. It is evening. If heaven has an evening, and two figures walk silently arm in arm through golden streets, one of them we recognize to be the master. The other must be the angel Gabriel. On they walk through beauty beyond description for I had not seen nor ear heard neither has it entered into the heart of man the beautiful things that God has prepared for them that love him. But tonight the beauty seems marred by the strange silence between the two for they have come now to that vast part of the city that is uninhabited. Now, just why it should remain so is so hard to understand, for the homes that line its winding streets are lovely beyond words. Terraces, lawns of living green, rose gardens rich with bloom would bring tears to any child of God who, looking upon such beauty, could cherish even the faintest hope of one day possessing it. At last Gabriel speaks. Master, he says, you know there is a housing shortage down there. Many have no homes. There's a continual clamor to get them and they that have them they seem to be satisfied with the old earth. They seem to feel no need of heaven. But master, the loveliest homes down there are mere shacks to these you have built. I know, is the master's reply. Again, there is silence. But this time it is the master who breaks it. Gabriel, yes, master. Do you see those people in all lands, the ones that are kneeling? Yes, master. Well, they are my people, Gabriel. 
They are faithful to me. They keep my commandments. They love my words and they pray. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. But sometimes, Gabriel, my people feel that I'm about to come for them. And I detect a worried look on their faces as, as, as the master cannot say what is in his heart. Gabriel knows and he turns his head for he has no answer for his Lord. A few moments pass and the angel turns again his face expressing the love and the devotion that are in his heart. He says, Jesus, he says. And the Savior's face seems to light up as the angel addresses him. For he loves to be called by that name that in a special way expresses his mission to a fallen world. And thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Gabriel pauses an instant, and he looks at those nail print hands and clasping them both in his own, he continues to repeating that matchless name, Jesus. You gave so much for them. He says no more. For even an angel cannot find words adequate to express such infinite love. The tears that a moment ago were stealing down the master's cheek now flows unchecked. His disappointment is so great that its intensity cannot be described. At last, motioning to those empty palaces about him, he finds words. Gabriel, don't they want to come home? My friends, there is nothing imaginary about the disappointment that tears away in the master's heart. It is more real and intense than even I have pictured it. Empty palaces are waiting in the sky for you and praise God for me. Then why? Why do Earth's flimsy structures so hold our affections while those in the sky stand idle? Friends of mine, don't you want to go home? That's it. <laughs> awesome. What a word. And That's my listeners should know that was all from memory. Thank yes. you so much, Mrs. Boyd. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. I was lifted. I was inspired. Thank you so much for consenting to be a guest on the podcast. My pleasure.
and I will put in my episode notes ways for people to get in touch with you should they need your ministry at their local church. I'm blessed every time you read, every time you present, and I'm hoping others can be exposed to the gift that you have as well. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you so much for consenting to be a guest on the What A Word podcast. Jane Hurstville, let them not say. Let them not say we did not see it. We saw it. Let them not say we did not hear it. We heard. Let them not say they did not taste it. We ate. We trembled. Let them not say it was not spoken, not written. We spoke. We witness with voices and hands. Let them not say they did nothing. We did not enough. Let them say as they must say something. Kerosene beauty, it burned. Let them say we warmed ourselves by it, read by its light, prayed, and it burned.